Hi there, and welcome to the Peter J. Thompson podcast. So I had some really great feedback on the first couple of episodes. So just getting some feedback coming through from you guys about the format that you like, some of the topics that you'd like to see covered, those sorts of things. And so I think um, we're going to continue the style of me um, dipping back into some of the older blog posts that I've written so that um, we have a look back over some of those interesting articles from the archives. So that seems to be proving uh, quite popular. And then also start mixing in some guests uh, interviewing people from around the entrepreneurship and design community as well because I think there's some really interesting voices. Um, and maybe people that don't necessarily have their own blogs, not necessarily public, publishing a lot of content themselves, but they're doing really, really interesting things, and um, I'd love to be a part of actually uh, helping to celebrate some of what's going on in the design community, and um, particularly in the kind of entrepreneurial and tech scene, where that overlap between design and business and technology is really, really closely synchronized, and everyone's working together um, almost by default. So, um, yeah, excited to keep growing and keep continuing. So this is now live in the iTunes store and on SoundCloud, so you can listen to it pretty much anywhere you want, which is pretty cool. So for our um, next article that I just want to dip back into, so this is an article from May 2009, uh, and it's about um, intellectual property and looking at the role of design and IP and also ways that you can uh, attribute a financial value to the investment that's coming out from design and innovation. So the article is called Easiest Ways to Value Your Intellectual Property. So you might not want to hear this, but if you can't put a dollar value on the benefit of your design project, then you may not have a project at all. You may have a registered trademark to protect your brand, you may even have a patent or a design registration to protect your product designs, but how much intellectual property is there really in your business, and how much is it worth? So in previous posts, we've covered accurate ways, but quite hard ways to value your intellectual property by going straight to a direct financial analysis. There's also a fast and easy way of valuing innovation, design, and intellectual property. And I call this the quote-unquote naked valuation because you're going to compare your business to a similar business but without your intellectual property and then compare the two. This technique will help you make the business case for design thinking more easily by quickly providing additional economic evidence that investment in design will increase the value of your business. To get started, ask yourself, if I copied all of your land and buildings equipment and machinery and then employed dozens of well-trained but totally inexperienced laborers to do your jobs, then what can you do today that they couldn't do? The answer may well tell you a lot about where the real intellectual property is in your business. And asking yourself questions about a comparable naked quote-unquote business will often bring up the value of relationships, channels to market, designs, production problems that you've solved, trade secrets, tweaks to your system, and even just a deep knowledge by a couple of key staff. So whether it's product design, brand design, innovation, and processes, each time you invest in design, you're going to add value to the assets in your business that are the hardest to copy, those kind of latent, hidden um, assets. It might be easy to replicate intellectual properties such as a physical design directly, or a logo, but once you realize that your IP is infused and diffused across every element of your business, 
and it's easy to realize how hard it is to replicate in practice. So to perform a quote-unquote naked valuation on the product instead of uh, a business as a whole, simply identify the value of an asset with the trait that you're valuing and then compare it to a similar asset without the trait. So let's run through a couple of examples. So Coca-Cola sells for around $2.69 for a 1.5 litre bottle at my local store and the private label brand with a fundamentally equivalent product sells for $1.39 for the same volume. So the value on intellectual property, which is mostly brand in this case, although people would argue there's a product difference as well, so there's lots of things tied up in this, but the value of the IP as a whole is about 48% of the total price, and that's quite interesting. So number two, so a 2009 Lexus ES sells for $41,000. Whereas a Toyota Camry from the same manufacturer effectively sells with pretty much the same design for about $32,000. Now to be fair that Lexus includes lots of upgrades that if added to the Toyota would add to the cost around $3,000. And even so the brand premium at play here is still at least $6,000 or 15% of the total price. And number three, a nice New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc wine will retail for about $30, whereas an unbranded, quote-unquote, clean skin version of the same wine would sell for as little as $10. So for a brand and reputation value there of about 66% of the total price. And there are lots of other reasons for price differences in the total return on intellectual property is a function of both the price and the volume that you can command as a result of the innovation that you're doing. But even so, the insight remains. Um, it's to get a quick test of the value of a piece of intellectual property, just look for the nearest substitute without your intellectual property, and then compare the economic value of the two. It's that simple. So that's the end of that article, and that was written back in May 2009. Um, and obviously the goal was to use intellectual property as a way of summarizing the impact of the different types of design that you could be applying across the business in terms of design thinking and product, marketing, processes, all the different areas where you could be doing more user-centered innovation, and then actually looking back at what are the economic drivers, um, what's the business impact of that. And I think most of that still stands up. Um, I think looking back, most of the examples I chose really were brand design um, value added and ROI and I think in practice um, when you're looking from the outside it's going to be very hard to unpick the difference between the the kind of marketing part of brand and then more the actual real product difference so for, um, my favorite example for that um, is Apple where uh, anyone that's cynical about the products will say oh, okay people are just paying for the brand or they're paying for the logo um, and they'll point to equivalent products from Sony or Samsung or HP Microsoft Dell from all sorts of other substitutes even Android phones and things they'll point to all sorts of other substitutes that are actually often in some cases rationally a better product but um, to someone that actually uses Apple products and someone that uh, particularly has used a lot of them often actually up close the materials really are better 
um, and there's a lot of very small hidden differences like the quality of the switches on the keyboards, the quality of the plastics that they use in the kind of parts of the product that you're touching, those sorts of things. So it's something um, where I think if you look at valuing IP differences in a way of um, looking at the value of intellectual property, I think it's probably harder to separate out the role of product kind of product quality, brand quality, reputation, all of those things. I think in practice they're all kind of mixed in together. Um, but then again, I mean, this is still a useful technique. It's a quick way to compare different businesses and maybe look at how much they're investing in IP or what the return is that they're generating from IP. So I think um, the fundamental principle still applies, but um, come to think of it, I should probably go back and update a couple of those examples. So um, that's all for me for today. So um, as I mentioned at the beginning, we're now in the iTunes store. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback, so hit me up on Twitter at Peter J. Thompson, um, or you can email me directly on Peter at PeterJThompson.com. And if you've got any suggestions for things that you'd love to hear about on the show or interesting guests that you'd like to see us talking to, then um, feel free to drop me a line. Otherwise, I'll see you next time. Have a good one.